Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast, where I talk to creative minds about their inspiring creative journeys. I'm your host, David Gidali, and joining me today is Wes Ball, who directed all three parts of the Maze Runner film trilogy and is currently working on his next film, Mouse Guard. Wes is also known in the VFX community as a prime example of a visual effects artist who impresses Hollywood executives with a short film made on his spare time and is consequently hired to direct big budget feature films on the heels of that project. Ruin is a short film set in a post-apocalyptic universe. It is basically an epic chase sequence where a motorcycle rider is being chased by a menacing drone hovercraft. Shortly after posting it on Vimeo back in 2012, Wes was having meetings with everyone in town, and eventually he sold the feature version of Ruin to Fox, a day after being offered to direct The Maze Runner. This kind of semi-instant professional jump, which you may call the modern filmmaker's Cinderella story, is what inspired me to make this podcast in the first place. As a filmmaker who makes visual effects for a living, it's people like Wes, Fede Alvarez, Neil Blomkamp, and Gareth Edwards whose story remind me to keep creating my own original projects. Of course, there's endless examples of similar attempts not reaching quite those heights. But what I've learned thus far from my conversations with guests on this podcast is that not only there's always something gained from such passion projects, but that almost all these successful attempts were follow-ups to quite a few less successful attempts. Wes and I talked about his thesis film, Work in Progress, which combines live action and computer animation and received the Student Academy Award. That short came out 10 years before Ruin and got some attention, but nowhere near Ruin. And we talked a bit about why Wes thinks that is. What did he learn during the long gap between the two shorts? What made him wake up after 10 years and make another short? We also talked about what it was like to suddenly transition from being a work-from-home CG artist to directing a multi-million dollar feature film, and what technologies West believes new filmmakers and visual effects artists should be focusing on nowadays to prepare for an inevitable industry insurgence. I've been waiting to release this episode for quite some time, and I'm very stoked to finally do it. Uh, but before diving into it, I'll just remind you that the Post Post podcast has a Facebook page, so if you like this episode, please feel free to subscribe to it. Uh, we also have an Instagram page and a Twitter, so wherever... Whatever social media platform of choice, uh, you can probably find us there and subscribe. Uh, the Post Post Podcast is available on SoundCloud, but also on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher. Uh, so however you reach this podcast, feel free to subscribe to it. Uh, so without further ado, I give you episode eight of the Post Post Podcast. How are you doing? Good, man. We finally awesome. made it last. We've been trying to do this for a while. And you've been uh, you've been busy. I know you have a, a newborn. Yep, I have a newborn, two, two little girls now. So uh, you know, that's that. And also, I'm delivering a new baby into the world and a, a new movie, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, well, I, I was away. I was worried for a second because it's you know three months old, and then you're delivering a new baby. That's uh, <laughs> right. it's quite quick. Right, no so more, no more, no more human kids. <laughs> now it's just movie kids. Oh yeah, what what can you say about your uh, new, your new movie? Well, it's uh, it's called the Mouse Guard. Um, the the Mouse Guard is uh, is this kind of really small but very popular um, little graphic novel that the, an author named uh, David Peterson put out um, through Boom Comics, basically, and and they have a kind of relationship with the studio at Fox, and okay. uh, and they have been approaching me for a while about this project they have, this Mouse Guard, you know, comic series, and um, they actually approached it approached me about 
two and a half years ago, maybe it was when I was finishing up the second movie, the second Maze Runner movie. And I said, Oh, that sounds, sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's basically, um, mouse guard is essentially Lord of the Rings or, um, uh, game of Thrones, but with fighting mice. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And so I was like, okay, yeah, it sounds cute. That's cool. Okay, fine. We'll talk about it one day. And then, you know, went off and made the third movie and then that took a little bit longer than I thought. And then finally we came back and then, you know, the studio head was talking to me, um, Emma Watts. She was like, what's next? And I'm like, I'm not sure. And it's like, you should think about that mouse guard thing they were talking about. You know, Matt Reeves is producing it and they really would curious what you would think, you know? And finally I, I went off on vacation after the movie. That's what kind of happens after you kind of finish and release the movie. You kind of want to decompress. And I went off to Hawaii and I brought a couple of the mouse guard books with me and I really kind of dove into it. And suddenly it kind of dawned on me that, basically what i could make here is uh that's my version of a legend of zelda movie but with with mice you know so um we're going to basically make it as a giant um mocap movie you know wow so So it's like avatar jungle book or um any of those things so uh but it's this big epic kind of fantasy adventure um on this really incredible scale you know in a world we've never seen before basically and um yeah, it's it's been really fun and exciting, actually. <laughs> so I, I haven't actually read uh, read that. I mean, it sounds super interesting. Is it going to be something like? Are those mice uh, uh, actual like mice animal looking characters, or do they walk on two? What's the? Yeah, they actually are somewhat anthropomorphic, right? So yeah. it's like it's somewhere. If there's a spectrum of Rango and say Jungle mm. book it's somewhere in the middle of those two <laughs> you know what i mean gotcha. yeah wow that's really i mean it's gonna like be huge them. yeah huge they, they super challenging to them as like regular characters you know so they have to have these kind of human characteristics so it's like what i'm not interested in doing is basically um uh the the live action equivalent of uh dogs playing poker you know what i mean right yeah we need to kind of have a style to it essentially that allows us to do all the 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 kind of you know, Shakespearean dialogue and, you know, all the kind of like, uh, the big drama that we have going on. Um, but, uh, but it, the visual style of it will be very, very photo real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a huge kind of t- uh, undertaking, I think, especially yeah, after it's a huge, huge movie. I mean, you know, this movie will be in terms of like the financial, um, resources, you know, it'll be bigger than the last three major Runner movies combined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a big one, but it's really, really exciting. And, you know, everyone's really excited about it. And, and fortunately, hopefully, you know, with the Disney thing and Fox, this merger happening, hopefully it'll fit right into like both wheelhouses nicely, you know? Yeah. So I, I actually want to roll back, uh, to kind of like the beginning I to, for anybody who somehow doesn't know who you are, um, you're best known for the Maze Runner trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, I assume. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, but before that, you did uh, a short called Ruin, and uh, you did uh, another short uh, during your. Uh, I think it was it was a uh, was your yeah. Academy Award uh, winning yeah, short. Right. It was my uh, it was my first animated short that came out of my film school. It was my thesis film at film school, the Florida State University Film School, and uh, yeah, it was my first kind of animated attempt. And yeah, I got lucky, and and uh, I was part of that that. Um, that year's kind of uh, Academy Awards or Student Academy Awards uh, 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 group, basically, and wow, yeah, it was great, and and it kind of, you know, it certainly opened up a lot of doors coming out. Um, and you know, actually, I can tell a story about how from a work in progress to ruin. You know what I mean? There was yeah. probably ten years, you know, and so after that short 
work in progress came out, won a bunch of awards, a lot of doors opened up out here. You know, it's a lot of the studios said, Hey kid, you know, uh, I liked your little short. It's very, very, you know, both shorts are online. If anyone wants to watch them, you know, work in progress yeah. is very Disney, you know, it's very sentimental and, and very sweet. Um, and it's, it's like a combination of live action and, and animation was, did, were you going to an animation program or a live action program? Uh, I was, it was actually a live action program. So I went to film school. I, I learned on film, you know, I, I shot film, I shot 16 millimeter film, cut on film, all that stuff. Um, and I just always had this thing in the back of my brain of, you know, I liked VFX, you know, I, yeah. I liked, you know, it was right around the time I went to high school, right around the time when Lightwave was kind of starting to come out. And I remember the first, you know, nonlinear editor, you know, uh, <laughs> The editing system, you know, it was for me, it was this DPS system. And, um, that's wow. uh, my school. And was that like 2000 or 99 or something it like was that? Probably or? around 98, 99. I graduated yeah. in 99, uh, yeah. high school, you know, so it was around that, that realm. And it was like, it was the new thing. You remember the Firewire whole stuff that came out, you know? Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, it's like we can do digital editing on our computers. You know, it was amazing. Um, yeah. so I kind of, I had one foot in that camp all the time. And then when I went to film school, I started making, you know, movies and stuff. And I thought actually that I would be an editor because I was kind of so interested in the post side of things. And <laughs> it was just, you know, as you kind of go through the film school, you kind of wear all hats and kind of learn your, learn the different kind of, you know, the craft essentially. And I kind of discovered the directing bug essentially, you know? And so as we sort of made all these different little shorts together, uh, I, I kind of became the VFX guy in, in the class and, I do little VFX shots for people and stuff like that. And, and then by the end of it, I just had this inkling to like, you know, I think Pixar was kind of exploding around that time. Yeah. With Toy Story. Like, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. I had this idea of like all I've seen all the student films. They're all, especially at that time, that era, they were a particular type of, you know, um, film, I guess, subject matter, you know, for student films. But I had this idea of just doing this really sweet kind of Pixar like Disney short. And that's how I came up with the idea where I did shoot a little bit of live action, which was kind of like these bookends essentially to what yeah. it was a sketchbook world that was all kind of animated. You know what I mean? And, and the program like, was like supportive to that. Like, didn't you have teachers saying, um, you know, it's, they, they were, I doing? can't say they weren't unsupportive, but they were very suspicious. Like, what are you going to go do exactly? Because like all my student, all my fellow filmmakers, you know, they were getting all the great toys because they're thesis films. So you get the cranes, you get the steady cams, you get all the equipment that you get to, you never got to play with. And there I was up in my room, my, basically my dorm room, my apartment, and uh, and plugging away at a computer and, and no one knew what I was doing, you know? So it took a little bit convincing, but I think they all kind of just held their breath and said, oh, I guess we'll see. And then <laughs> I remember when I showed it to everyone, it, it was definitely like a, it was their first, I think, maybe only, um, uh, animated short that came out of the school um possibly even to this day i'm not sure if they if they if they're doing anymore but um it was kind of a it was kind of a, a shock in a way you know um yeah. and then yeah and the fact that it kind of you know got a lot of awards and stuff and made the festival circuit for a while um it was cool it was really fun to be a part of you know was the festival circuit something that your school was kind of helping you with in terms of like distributing it and yeah like, yeah fortunately you know i have to say i'm not a huge film festival advocate and i'm not against it or anything but i see a lot of film students putting all their their kind of emphasis and, and energy into festivals when i i feel like the the place to do it is online which i think we can get to the ruin side of things um oh yeah, yeah totally of course i was lucky to basically i know i know people struggle with all the all the fees and all that stuff with like submitting your shorts and stuff um but the school handled that for us so we got kind of lucky there and 
Um, and you know, we, we but it's interesting to come to come from someone who actually got like uh, probably as far as you can get with a short film going through festivals. Like getting your film into the Student Academy Award is uh, yeah. is every student kind of dream, you know, when they. Um, so it's interesting coming from you that you're not a bit the biggest advocate. Was there anything? Yeah, that, was, that was at the time, of course. But, you know, my, my thought process behind it really is like, I just want people to see it, you know, and how right. many people will see it at a, at a, at a, at a film festival? Not a lot, you know, now yeah. there's certainly great accolades and like, you know, you can have a certain amount of like cachet with going to festivals. I'm, I'm not opposed to festivals by any means, but I know that there was like this thing, at least it was at the time. If you go into festivals, you can't put it online. It was like this weird you know, yeah, right. Exclusivity or something. And, and that always kind of bothered me, you know? So, you know, after that process, I went and made that short and came out and kind of did the rounds basically around the studios and just learned, learned about that process as I tried to become a director. Um, you know, and that took, that was, there's a whole gap there about 10 years, but, you know, skipping ahead, yeah. basically that short ruin, I got to this place where I was, I had my own little kind of VFX shop, very humble, but like doing music videos and commercials and, you know, things like that. Um, oddball yeah, yeah that's right oddball animation <laughs> and uh you know and 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 i got to this place where i just wanted to go make something for myself and that's where the the short ruin came from where it was i was going to try to do something really ambitious and do something full cg and kind of like an action set piece kind of a thing and and that was very much there was no real agenda behind it i just wanted to make something and put it out to the world and so you know i made this thing and it took about eight months and i kind of I basically, my investment was my time. I didn't really spend a lot of money on it, but I didn't take any jobs. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and so I just decided, hell with it, man. I'm just going to put it on Twitter and see what happens. <laughs> and so I did that and it just kind of exploded online. And, you know, I don't know, millions and millions of people saw it. And then those same doors opened up again around the studio world. And by that point, I, I felt like I, you know, I was a little bit wiser, I guess, and how to kind of approach things. And, and it was from that short that from that ruin short is what got me the job for Maze Runner, you know, basically. And, and, and the rest is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, let me ask you about that gap because I think you said you got wiser and the second time you came up with a short and, uh, you know, it, it exploded. You were in a way more kind of ready to handle all of that. So can you talk a little bit about what you've learned in the, in that 10 year period? Like what, you know, mistakes might you have, have done like in the, with the first short that you didn't do in the second one or, or how did you, how were you more prepared? Yeah. I mean, it's probably the experience and we talked about it really briefly, but there was this little project that I had, um, you know, while I was, you know, coming out here and, and, and just trying to establish myself inside of Los Angeles, just finding an apartment and all that stuff. Um, you know, I had some friends with me that came from film school and we all became kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, apartment buddies basically. Um, but while I was trying to do the directing thing, you know, meeting all the, the studios and different executives talking about what do you want to yeah. do? What kind of movie you got? You know, what, what, what are you thinking? And like, I didn't have an answer for that stuff, but I got to this place where I kind of came up with this, this story called the Treehouse. Right. And, um, for me, basically I was just ripping off thief of always by Clive Barker. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's this kind of dark fantasy movie about a kid who get kind of gets whisked away to a magical world and finds out that this 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 world this amazing place that's almost like a world of lord of the flies kind of um in this fantasy mm. environment um it's very cool there's some cool stuff and i actually took a lot from it from maze runner actually but but anyway um this dark kind of fantasy thing that 
it was basically the concept of your paradise becomes your prison. And it was about these group of kids, you know, locked away over time of trying to find their way out of this, 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 uh, fantasy prison basically. Um, and very familiar. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's very much like Coraline or wardrobe or that that kind of vibe, but it was very intimate and small. And so, uh, you know, I had come up with this kind of pitch and it was, I had an agent at the time. My agent was an also alumni of Florida state film school. And, uh, and he kind of paired me up with two of his clients, Steve Vincich and Ron Friedman, who had written a lot of uh, Disney animated movies. And because yeah, I did uh, Chicken Little and Brother Bear right. and uh, yeah, Open right. Season. And uh, yeah, I and worked with Steve. I told you that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're friends with Steve, which, you know, this was probably, oh man, this was must have been 2003, 2004 or something, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I started working with him like in 2013, I think, or 14. Gotcha. Is- gotcha. Yeah, and they're great yeah. guys. And but the thing is, they had experience, right? And here I was this green yeah. young director, um, and so the idea was, you know, to pair me up to help craft, you know, what the story would be. So when I, when I go in to pitch this movie to studios and stuff, that I would have experienced writers there who would say, yes, we're going to write this great, you know, story. And so I got a lot of experience pitching, basically. And fortunately, I it does kind of come naturally. You know, I, I'm I'm a pretty good pitcher when I when I'm excited about something, I can get people enthusiastic about it. Um, so that went pretty well. Um, it's a very you know, it was a very different type of pitch that I probably wouldn't do today. It was very <laughs> a long pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we ended up setting it up at Warner Brothers basically, and that was my first big you know, holy crap, I've done it. I'm a director now. <laughs> you know. And um, so what, what does it mean to set it up at Warner Brothers? What what exactly did it mean? Yeah, basically you kind of go in there and you tell the story and then you we talk about it and they say, Yeah, we like it. We're gonna buy it. Let's start writing it. Let's start making this a movie. And gotcha. so you start having these meetings with the different executives and they talk about, We liked your pitch, but what about doing this or doing that? And then you start changing things. And of course, I'm like a 23, 24 year old kid. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And so um what would happen is uh, uh, this little intimate, really interesting dark fantasy film kind of just morphed into this gigantic lord of the rings epic and then mm-hmm. and then people kind of got uninterested in it and then said well what if we change it into like, like this kind of almost for an mtv crowd it's like a dark horror movie and it's like the thing just kind of unraveled and so you hear about this stories of development hell and that was it it was basically you know lots of lots of people kind of poking and prodding at this thing and it just slowly unraveled because there's no 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 person to helm to steer that ship that was that was should have been my job, you know. So I learned a valuable lesson there, as it kind of just slowly faded away, and and people stopped talking about it, and then meetings kept getting pushed, and suddenly it just kind of just went away. You know what I mean? And uh, so, was, was there like a specific uh, moment where you felt where you kind of knew this is over, or did it just? I'm sure there was, but I can't, I can't put my finger on when it was or where it was. It my my thoughts looking back on it, probably whatever it's been now, more than ten years. It's it's more this sense of uh, um, it doesn't end with a bang, but more with a whimper. <laughs> you know, it just kind of it just kind of faded away, and suddenly, you know, I, I just realized like it's not it's not really going to happen exactly. And by that point, I had be I had been had another foot in the other camp of, you know, I had these these post guys that knew I knew animation and I knew visual effects and stuff. And so suddenly they started asking me, Hey, could you do this paint out work? Or could you do this, this, uh, this title sequence or whatever. And so I slowly started kind of building up this little freelance, you know, reputation, I guess, for doing like, you know, starting out with like DVD 
um, kind of menu screen stuff and, you know, titles for right. like you know, documentary shows and all that kind of stuff, HBO specials. Um, and that's how I kind of started building up basically that, that's that wing of myself while the, the director kind of hat slowly fell off. I became more of the, the VFX artist. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I definitely know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I have kind of like not, not, a, not a exactly the same, but I have a similar story. When I, um, in 2011, I had a short film that got a lot of attention here. It got me management. I was, uh, awesome. you know, sitting in big meetings and talking about big projects and stuff. I didn't actually get to sell a project. Closest I got was I directed a feature uh, that uh, Steve's, uh, that Steve's uh, girlfriend, Nancy, produced. Right. That's okay. That's, uh, that's, that's part of how I know Steve. Yeah. And, um, you know, but that too, it's like, even, even with a feature and that's something I'm definitely going to talk to you about, uh, in a little bit, but like, you know, it's not, it's not exactly that the doors are open and they stay open. It's always a matter of like, you always have to push through, you always have to work hard and get the next right. project going. Stuff and yeah. And I feel like this is like your kind of story of, of, um, of your first short, you know, succeeding so well in, in its own kind of context of like a short getting, you know, getting you noticed, uh, getting you into the student Academy award kind of, uh, circle. And then, and then suddenly you kind of, you go back into, or I, I don't know why I said the word go back. It's not going back, but it's like you, you suddenly do something else. And it takes you elsewhere. You're in LA, but now you're doing visual effects. Like at, at what point were you kind of, you know, looking around you and, and being like, wait, I came here for, for, you know, for a different purpose. Let's go back to, you know, let's get back to focus and, and do another short. And was that kind of like how you got into doing ruin or, or, or not? Like what's, yeah, what was I'll the thought you, process? I'll tell you what happened. So I was doing all this great this stuff. It was fun. It was really great. And you know, I was kind of, you know, I was presenting myself as a company, but really it was me. And I had a few friends that would do freelance with me on these projects, but you know, it was right. oddball animation, the company doing this stuff. And I was making a living, you know, I was, I was paying my rent and all that stuff, but I had this idea that I had kind of, I had plateaued on that front. I wasn't doing the big shots that I wanted to do, or I wanted to do bigger VFX shots or whatever it was, you know? So yeah. I had this idea in my mind that, man, I need to make something and maybe I can go like work at ILM or, or Weta or something and like really try to like, you know, become, you know, really good at what, whatever this VFX side stuff is. But at the same time, you know, I had this friend, his name is T.S. Nolan, um, Tom Scott Nolan, and he went to film school too as a writer. And so he was out here and we, we were buddies, of course, that whole period. And he was doing, he, he was doing the same journey basically, but as a writer. He would meet people, he would kind of get close and then it would fall away. And then it was the same kind of stuff that he was working away at his own projects. And it just happened that they all kind of, they, they kind of lined up in a way where just as I was starting to get noticed for Ruin, TS was selling scripts and becoming a real um, person. So that helped a lot. So he and I would be talking a lot about things and I would be constantly pitching projects to him and, and he'd be pitching stuff to me. And we just, we were just friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I kept pitching him this idea for Ruin, which was this big, gigantic, you know, it was basically, I always said it was my Star Wars. It was this mm. huge kind of epic fantasy set in, you know, a thousand years after some cataclysmic event changed our world forever. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of really cool ideas in it. And maybe one day I'll, I'll, re I'll, I'll get back into it. And it's always, it's on the shelf basically. Um, 
but uh but yeah i had come out of um uh, avatar i watched avatar in a theater and hmm. it kind of blew my mind honestly um and not just for the the tech technical achievement of it i was actually one of those audience members that didn't have a problem with the story that i know some people do um i <laughs> it had a profound effect on me actually that i came out and i just i just had this like holy crap I, I can do this. I can do that. Whatever, you know, whatever. I can do this. Screw this. So I remember coming out of that theater at the Arclight in Hollywood and standing there on the curb and just suddenly saying, I'm going to go make something. And so I had these two projects I had been noodling on. And there was something called In Search of Humans, which I think is also out there online if people were to search for that. It was like this kind of like, um, it was just like one of those kind of personal projects that people would post on ArtStation nowadays, right? Um, little images, yeah. an idea. But I had a kind of story in mind for it. Um, so I'd, I had made little trailers for it or little test shots. You know, you, what you do, it's kind of the fun thing to do, right? Um, so yeah. I figured I'm going to take one of those two things. I'm going to go make a short. And it wasn't, it, there was no, I kind of want to stress that there was no agenda of I need to be a director and this is how I can get people to notice me to give me a director job. It wasn't that at all, right? It was very much just I have this yearning inside to make something and and show it to people, you know what I mean? Make people yeah. watch it, and see if they like it. That, that was all I really wanted to do. And so I settled on Ruin, which was a, a big giant world thing. But what I figured I could do was very much like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I could introduce people to a character in a world with a, with basically a little cool set piece scene, which I'd always had this yearning to do basically a car chase or a bike chase. Yeah. And so the world is kind of unique because it's kind of this post-apocalyptic grown overgrown world, which at the time was very new. It was like, usually it was the Mad Max vision of the end of the world. But I had this idea of doing this overgrown reclaimed by mother nature kind of vision of post-apocalyptic world. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So that was definitely a challenge to figure out how to pull that off technically. But what I kind of said in my head was it's basically the star Wars trench run. You know, I'm driving on the freeway in LA constantly and you can't really see all the, the 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 complexity of the ground all you see really is the building tops you know you know what i'm saying yeah so totally it became kind of manageable in a weird way in my head i had to figure <laughs> out how to handle the complexity of overgrowth and all that stuff but i started doing testing and suddenly i kind of i found moto um which had done this uh kind of unique kind of system for replicating which is basically instancing right and it, i found myself basically at the first, I was like, oh, I need to cheat this with like cards or, you know, matte painting or stuff like that. And I just, it just wasn't working. And suddenly, what if I just render a million or a billion polygons and suddenly it was possible? There was the, there was a challenge of how do I render it in time? But it took out a lot of complexity when I just, I just did it for real. I just had real polygons there to cast shadows and, and look complex. You know what I mean? So I came up with these kind of interesting kind of solutions for how, how to kind of procedurally generate a lot of that kind of overgrowth stuff. So if you looked at the short, you can see kind of patterns essentially. But um, but it was basically using, you know, game level kind of assets that are super low res, but using a lot of them. So we had a, like this really great sense of complexity. So, so anyway, yeah. I, I had a question though. Um, I noticed that uh, Oddball... I think I went to your website once and I saw that Oddball was somewhere near Echo Park or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were in kind of and, downtown. Yeah. So, and, and I, I used to live uh, like very close to the two and the five and I, and sometimes driving down, uh, I think it's Riverside Drive. I'm not sure, but there's like um, 
if you drive under the two and the five underpass, there's this uh, like basically yeah. the the yeah, underpass totally. has this growth kind of like. Absolutely, I, I would be looking at that kind of stuff. Because for me, it's over in Sherman Oaks, over by the where the four or five and the one one meets has the same look. Oh, you know? interesting. Yeah. And so that's I would be studying that every day, and suddenly I would just see, man, if I just made five of those little clusters of vines, and then I parented it to a polygon strip on the top of the walls, and then I can randomly populate it and shift it in Z space, basically. Yeah. It, it would create all that for me out of a group of like five or six different clusters of things. You know what I mean? So that was my that was my big breakthrough is how to pull off that kind of complexity stuff, but really simply, because I mean, ultimately it's just a road, right? It's just a, a, yeah. a walls and like a straight run. And I would make these little splines and do like basically mile long stretches, you know, and then parent a null in the middle of this, that, that, that spline. I would just do, I would set it to like 70 miles an hour. And then I would just randomly kind of like, you know, I, I would, I would build in a lot of happy accidents basically. So I, I would build these little like, you know, noise procedural kind of curves um, that would just randomly move the bike wherever. And then I would just react to it. I would just shoot it like a live action movie then. You know, you don't really have, I wasn't really so focused on hitting a storyboard. I did, I did no storyboards. I just kind of right. set up the scene. I'm like almost like a God's eye point of view of this bike going from here to there. And then I would drop down into it and just look for opportunities to shoot. Like we do in a live action movie. You know, you you shoot, you know, a hundred times more than what you actually see, but you pick the best little moments and you allow for those right. little happy accents to happen. So that's how I kind of approach that short altogether. I had a rough idea for like, all that stuff. It's, it sounds like kind of like a, a self-perpetuating cycle where it's like the technical stuff inspires you, but then and then you create stuff using that technical kind of, you know, you, you right. find those yeah. solutions and then those solutions inspire creative right. decisions and things and like I that. I got to say, it was a great experience. Like I said, it took me longer. I thought it was going to take me about five months, you know, and I said, okay, I'm not going to take any work. I'm just going to do this. And then after I do this thing, maybe I'll have a really great reel where I could go get a job at Weta, you know, <laughs> or ILM or something. And I figured that was the that was the the least, you know, that could happen possibly. You know, I wasn't really thinking about, you know, oh, I'm gonna go get back into the studio system things and become a director. But um, but yeah, it was a fun process, man. And and like I've taken it was a very live action approach to animation, basically. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what it was. Um and that was probably So did Weta actually movie. ever Oh yeah, because I mean, you—that's—that's that's the thing. It's like uh, to to people who probably didn't realize your background before Ruin, they probably thought you're just a, a 3D artist that you know, uh, that's kind of exploring and trying to create a proof of concept of their right, right. 3D work. But like in reality, you were actually a filmmaker that happened to, you know, have done. 3D as, as, or, you know, we've done animation yeah, and stuff. 3D, as... 3D was like a means to an end, right? Because, you know, when you're starting yeah. as a filmmaker, it's like, it's hard to like wrangle all of the stuff, especially at that point. Now you got an iPhone, you can shoot a whole movie on it. Um, as long as you have some friends that come in and along for the ride, but it was hard to wrangle that. But when I had the VFX thing, I was, uh, I was kind of the master of my own domain. Anything I could imagine I could do if I just had the time and the, and the experience, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, so it became like a great tool to have, you know, um, but I never really, I never saw it as I wanted to do a bunch of VFX to show off VFX. I always wanted it as, because I had this shot in mind or I had this scene in mind that I, I just couldn't wait to like show somebody, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so it was, it was a, it was a really cool experience. And, and basically that short, you know, uh, went out online and, and it kind of blew up and then, yeah, I got all these calls from, you know these different studio people and lots of great people, you know, like, uh, you know, I met JJ Abrams through it all. And, you know, I've kind of 
kept in touch with him over the years through it. Um, That's really cool. You know, yeah, it's great. Did you guys ever I, think of doing anything together, or is or sort of? We did this one little like test project. He, he Jay's a really interesting guy. If you ever go to his place, um, he's got he just does little projects all the time, and he's got like he has like you know people that come over and they just do sculptures of these little characters, and and then he's got like you know comic guys over there or whatever. It's just he's just kind of experimenting constantly, and he had this like you know person who had these little great cute kind of characters, and they were just curious what if you took this and animated a short out of them? So we started playing around with that stuff and it was kind of fun. And, and what had happened was, you know, at some point they asked me to, he was just starting uh, Star Trek two. And they asked me, Hey, we're going to set up basically a little rebel unit inside the, the, the company inside bad robot to handle some of the VFX stuff. So, you know, kind of like they have ILM with doing the big stuff, but they had, you know, some fairly sizable shots inside the company there and uh it's a cool idea and they asked me to, would i want to be a part of that little unit i was like yeah let's do it man so i went over to the place and they told me where my desk was going to be and i was about to get my computer involved and it just happened that was right around the time where there's this whole other backstory happening but um where i basically got the job offer to do maze runner <laughs> and so <laughs> i had to like, call you know email jj i remember saying dude i so appreciate you know giving me the chance to do this but I have to go off and direct a movie. <laughs> and, dude, good yeah. luck. You know, have fun. It was, it was great. It was cool. That's awesome. So, so how did it go from like from doing Ruin to getting the Maze Runner? I mean, did you go out and actually pitch Ruin the feature film yeah. right after? Yeah, definitely went off and you know, like a lot of doors opened up, and I was playing at Koi a little bit this time, and and but like I said, I had my friend TS, my my writer friend, and so I started pitching him the story. I said, dude, I need a writer you know, to help me with this thing. And so we started, I started pitching in the full story and we started kind of bouncing back and forth. And suddenly together we were crafting this pitch for this really kind of epic story. And so the whole time I'm running around town meeting all these people because of the short. And I was just telling them, we're working on the pitch, we're working on the pitch. Don't worry, it's coming soon. And there was one particular guy at Fox. Um, his name is Steve Asbell, his executive there. And I'm still friends with him with his day. He's over there at Fox now. Um, he does all of Ridley Scott's movies. And, uh, hmm. And he was very interested in it. And we were just talking about the big ideas and stuff. And he's like, well, dude, as soon as you have this pitch, come talk to me. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. uh, and so, you know, that was all playing out. But at the, in the meantime, I had told him that I had made that short uh, in stereo, uh, stereoscopic 3D, right? And I'd also had my friends from Snap Sound, this guy named Zach Sievers, who has his own little sound company. Um, yeah. They did some great surround sound for it. But all I had ever seen this short on is my computer screen. I was making, <laughs> I was making my stereoscopic kind of choices in with red and green or red and blue glasses. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I was making my 3D choices, my, my <laughs> interocular stuff. And so that's all I knew in terms of the 3D stuff. And so I told him this. And he's like, dude, bring the short here onto the lot. We'll put it onto our projector. They have the obviously they have some great theaters on the lot. We'll put it up. We'll make a day out of it, you know, and you can check it out in a, in a really great kind of stereo or a, a surround sound environment with stereoscopic 3D. We can check it out. I'm like, cool, that's great. He invited out a couple other producer friends, some other executives and these kinds of things. And so I just kind of went over as a kind of a nice kind of gesture, you know, from Steve. We watched these yeah. the, the, the short and it was great. And it was so fun to see it that way because I had made it for a big screen, you know, and if you watch the short now... Wow. Um, you'll see there's a lot of wide shots. There's a lot of long lens, long takes, basically, that helps that 3D experience, you know, make it really immersive. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, so it's really, it was really cool. And I, it's, I still have it, actually. But um, but it was after that screening that another executive, it was a junior executive at the time, her name is Daria Sursek, and uh, she pulled me aside 
you know, and said, Hey, um, I want to talk to you about something else. And she pulled out of her like jacket or whatever. She's like, take this home and read it. And I looked at the cover and it was this book called Maze Runner. I had no <laughs> idea what that was, you know? And so, okay, I'll take a look at it. What's it like? It's, just, it's a world of mazes. And we, we've, we've had this script for a while. It's not really working anymore. And we're, we're just thinking about what's another way, what, what would you do with it? You know what I mean? So, okay, cool. I'll take it, take it home. I read it for like a week or something. I thought about it and I was like, man, it's basically Lord of the Flies meets Lost, you know? Totally. And so, yeah. and so what, what I basically exactly. did was I took all of my ruin assets, all that kind of procedural stuff that I talked about with all their overgrowth. Yeah. It's very similar to what I was thinking for, for uh, the Maze Runner. Right. And so I made a couple of these images of what it would be like to trap, be trapped inside those walls and what would a maze look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just made these kind of basically five images where I just said, well, that kind of captures for me, that's kind of my my hook in a way for all my, almost all my projects, I find one image that kind of unlocks the movie for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I had those things okay. and then I'm talking to the studio about what would you do with it? I'm kind of talking to them about this thing. And, and, uh, and they said, you know, okay, we think this is pretty good. What you're, what you're talking about. There's a couple other directors that are also vying for this job. Um, you're going to come in and talk to the president of the studio. Her name is Emma Watts. You have 10 minutes you better be really good and on it. And, you know, and she's a busy person. So you better be in and out and quick and just <laughs> you better knock it out of the park. And I said, Oh my God, okay, I'll do my best. And so I went into the thing and I met Emma and she's actually a really great person. We're obviously great friends now, made three yeah. movies together, but uh, you know, the pitch went for an hour, <laughs> you know, wow. and we just talked okay. and riffed. And at the end of that pitch, I'll never forget it. She said, uh, you know, great. You're a director. Let's do this. Wow. <laughs> and that was it. And so I walked out of that meeting and I've told this story a couple of times. So anyone who's hearing this, I'm sorry if they've heard it before, but it's a, it's a pretty <laughs> fascinating story. But I left that meeting on a Monday thinking, oh my gosh, I might just have a chance to direct this movie. This is kind of amazing. Um, we got to write a script and all that great stuff. But man, this is great. And so the next day I get a call from my people, the management people, and they said, look, they want you to direct this movie, but they want to hold off on any kind of deals or offers or anything because... You are also on the books for tomorrow to finally pitch your version of Ruin. <laughs> so then I go back to the studio the next day, you know, with that on, in my head, and I pitch Steve Asbell Ruin. And then me and, me and Tom Scott Nolan, my, my buddy, and, uh, and we pitched it, and we pitched our heart outs, and it's a great story. And he says, great, we want to buy it. Let's do it. <laughs> Wow. No so way. Wednesday, I was basically at Fox and I had two movies basically at Fox. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, talk about, I mean, I'm very, very aware how lucky, you know, the circumstances are, you know, for, for me. But let, let me ask so, you something. I, I wanted to, uh, so Steve, when he invited you to screen Ruin at the studio, how long after Ruin came out and was kind of you know, went viral and stuff. What was that? Good question. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to say it's anywhere from four weeks to eight weeks, I'm guessing. I can't really remember anymore. Wow. Um, but Did you know Steve it, before? It was, it was definitely time that it took, but it wasn't a long time. So I'm not sure exactly, you know. So like you said, between four and eight weeks, that's a crazy, like, Time frame. It's it's very short. I would say. Would, were you expecting to be like at a studio? In movie, times, in movie terms, though, like a whole movie can be prepped in eight weeks. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I imagine if if it took you five months to make or more, like eight months, right, to make uh, yeah. Maze Run uh, to make uh, the yeah, Ruin sure. the Shore. 
like how how long were you expecting it to be from the moment you kind of uploaded it to to the internet and released it to the world um, before you started getting phone calls? Uh, like I said, man, I, I wasn't expecting any phone calls. I, I expected maybe a couple <laughs> blogs would pick it up, you know, and they'd say because I, I I was very I was very um, uh, proud of the work. I thought it was good work, you know. And I still to this day yeah. actually I think look at it and say, damn, I, I don't know if I could do that today. I, like I, there's there's a there's a benefit to being naive a little bit, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But I don't know that I would buy it off today, you know, because it's it's super complicated. But um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting it to be totally honest, you know. I thought I was gonna. I thought my rest of my career was gonna be about VFX, right. um, and so you know it was a happy. It was a nice surprise. You know, how, how did you push it? Did you put it up and then like put you know, post it on I Reddit did, or did, tweet? I I, Reddit wasn't even a thing for me at that time. Um, I literally just said, "Here it is, guys." And I put it out on Twitter, and that was it. And then it just it just blew up. It was amazing. Actually, it was a really cool part, a cool process to be a part of where you know, you see the power of the kind of exponential growth of the social kind of, you know, universe, yeah. you know, where one guy shares it and then that shares it five times and that shares it. It was just, it was amazing, you know? Um, um, but yeah, I didn't do anything. And you know? Steve, did you know Steve from before? Steve was, was, was he one no, of the people? I that, met him the first time that? there, you know? Yeah. First time. Mm. Yeah. So it was, it was a great experience, you know, it was, uh, it was very cool. And like I said, my experience before having gone through that with the treehouse stuff, I was just a little less green, you know, it was just a little more, um, if, if I thought the treehouse experience, I thought I was a director suddenly and that I was just going to have a job now. Suddenly I realized yeah. how, how, how tricky this was to navigate. So I was probably just a little more careful and a little bit more sure of what I wanted, you know? Um, but you know, I'm a collaborator at heart, so I don't want to feel like this is how it's going to be. Yeah, it wasn't that it was just, I knew how to, I knew the kind of thing I wanted to make, and that was what I wanted to protect. And and uh, yeah, it was. And we had the benefit also of it being kind of a pretty cool story and stuff like that. So you know, to this day, still, it's it's still optioned at Fox. You know, it's still a Fox property. Um, right. That you know, right. hopefully, I'll come back to because there's some great ideas in it. But um, I'll do have to kind of reinvent it a little bit. But but anyway, yeah. And then the rest is history, man. We go off and it make three major runner movies and. Yeah, we make a billion dollars for the studios on those major Runner movies, and <laughs> now we're making Mouse Guard. Hopefully, you know. Oh man, that's exciting! You know, I had something else I was going to mention in there. Um, oh yeah, is interesting lesson that I learned when I was it was on the work in progress stuff. Um, you know, I had met a lot of I couldn't even honestly remember their names anymore, honestly, because like the 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 industry changes so so much with like the different executives and where they are and stuff like that. So I'm sorry I can't really contribute who it was that told me this, but it stuck with me. And the guy said, you know, whatever happens with this work in progress thing, you know, don't worry about it. You know, he basically said, heat comes and goes, but talent never dies. Hmm. So hold that and don't worry about it. You know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of fascinating because like I felt that I felt that heat off of the, the maze runner. I mean, the, the work in progress thing. And right. then the heat just kind of went away, you know, and then the heat came back with uh, with with uh, ruin, it's you ruin. know, but but that point, you know, I felt you know, I felt confident in, in the, my abilities, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I, guess, so. I actually, that's a kind of an interesting point. Then do you ever look back at like the time you decided to make ruin and ask yourself, like, what if I, you know, what if I haven't done that? Like, was there ever a point oh, yeah, in time man. before Every, you made that, ruin that where decision, you were like, that decision yeah. changed my life. You know what I mean? And you feel like you owe it to, uh, to avatar to James Cameron. 
I do. In fact, <laughs> if you watch if you watch that short, there are a lot of Camon references on there. There's like Camon Freeway sign, and there's all kind. Of, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Terminator references in that in that short. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, totally. And then, you know, now I'm making kind of like I'm following in his footsteps and making a kind of avatar, but with mice. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's it's really fun. cool. But and, you know, it's like um, kind of a perfect world, though. I really love it. Like, I really like the live action sensibilities of things, and so that's why I'm so interested in doing a mocap movie. I've been talking about doing a mocap movie for years now, so the studio is very aware that I was always always interested in it. Um, yeah, because I just like the process. Like, you are making a, a basically a, a a live action movie, but everything is VFX. So, you know, just having experience with like live action movies, where you know, you know, making live action movies, actually making any movie in in reality. It's basically all, um, it's compromise every day, right? Yeah. Whether it's in shooting or it's in pre-production on the script or it's in post-production, the editing, there's always something you're giving up for whatever reason. That's probably out of your control. The, 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 you know, the, the location fell through or the truck has to park there. So you can't get that shot that you wanted. So you have to change something. So, you know, there's something, if, if there's anything I think I'm good at, it's problem solving. Right, you know what I mean, and that's basically to me the the requirement. No matter what you are uh, to be a filmmaker, is you have to understand problem solving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's all you're doing. You know, and then you have this kind of this added kind of uh, task, essentially, of trying to make something a creative endeavor that someone beyond ten people will find interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I actually wanted to to ask you something about that uh, and talk about Maze Runner for a second. But before I do, I wanted to say um, when we kind of were starting to talk about doing this uh, podcast, I, um, you know, I, I was uh, I looked at uh, all your films. Obviously, I went back and I watched uh, the Maze Runner again and and uh, the two sequel. I mean, the sequel and yeah. uh, Death Cure and and I really I really liked them. I mean, it's been a while since I saw them because we've been kind of talking about doing this for a while. But right. um, but I was really like you know really honest to God, just watching it and, and, and saying, you know, some of these shots are, are like, you know, Spielbergian and, and like, you know, there's something really cool about the, the flow and, and the, and the pacing. And, you know, now, now that you said that you thought you might be a, an editor at some point, um, I can totally see that. I mean, I can see your kind of, and I also know from hearing about, you know, hearing you talk in other podcasts that you have a, a very kind of a big library of, of soundtracks that you kind of, um, keep going back to and, and listen to and, and there's a yeah the, the soundtracks are really important to me because I do a lot of my daydreaming while I'm listening to soundtracks right. um, I have a huge library of them and there's something about soundtracks for me is like they are they set a rhythm they set a, they set a pace and a kind of an emotion right. that I start kind of daydreaming to and, and then scenes start popping in my head you know what I mean and mm-hmm. um, I, I find it really super important actually you know to for myself, you know, and, and finding new ones, but Jurassic Park is the one that I always go to. Oh, Jurassic wow. Park, yeah. first ever album that I ever bought, basically on CD. Um, I was probably 13 years old or something. Totally. And uh, that's the one I go back to a lot because there's just so much great kind of um, uh, pacing and momentum type stuff to that. Of course, it's John Williams, but um, yeah, that's one that I go to a lot. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, I mean the opening of the movie is a you know such an epic moment with that uh, kind of drum roll and uh, yeah, boom. Boom. yeah, it's yeah. like it's great, this great vibe, you know, this great experience, and that's ultimately what I'm more interested in. And in, with movies in general, it's like the thing I'm always trying to hold on to more than anything is is that experience of an audience member sitting in a theater with 
you know, 300 other strangers, the experiential thing, you know, being yeah. kind of transported away. It's like that, that, that leverages sound and music and vision and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and writing, you know what I mean? And yeah. subtext and all that stuff. And it's like, it's amazing. It's amazing art form movies, you know, it, where it combines all these disparate kind of, you know, um, art forms on, in their own right. And it combines them into this unique experience. I guess the closest thing to it is really games, you know, um, right. but it's, totally. it's a, I feel very lucky to be able to have the opportunity to do uh, what I do. That's for sure. Um, and, you know, just constantly trying to be better at it. You know what I mean? So like you talk about yeah. shots, kinds of things like, you know, camera is like, for me, I think it's the strongest fingerprint a director can have on a movie personally, at least in, in my view. Um, hmm. So I take a lot of, um, I take a lot of care and pride in that camera work, you know, so like Ruin's a good example of that where it's like, I felt most proud of, of the camera work in Ruin than anything. Um, you know, even because it's a, a, it's, it's a, it's animated, hand animated camera, but it feels like yeah. a live action kind of camera. There's like a handheld quality to it. There's dirtiness to it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and it's got weight and everything. I remember, I remember watching it very, being exceptionally impressed by that specifically, you know, with the camera. Um, and that's like, comes from like studying Spielberg. He's the best at it. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a, there's a type of, of film, um, craftsmanship that is about, um, you know, how you tell a story through a lens and through blocking and through camera moves that mm -hmm. it does the editing for you. Now, you know, just on my own, you know, in my own brain, when I'm working on movies and stuff, it's like, you will find yourself sometimes going on to set and you don't have any time. You have two hours to shoot the scene and something fell, something happened. And, you know, you had storyboard the scene or maybe you, maybe the scene changed the night before or whatever it is. And, and you just have to shoot the scene. You just have to cover yeah. the scene. And I find myself, it's the most kind of like, I feel, I hate myself when I get, when I am in that place where I'm just kind of shooting a wide shot, shooting a close up, shooting a close up, and then I'll figure it out in editing. Yeah. It's the worst, you know, versus like, you know, you watch any Spielberg movie, you watch Jaws, for instance. And when you know, some of his, some of his earlier stuff to me is the most kind of exceptional. Oh yeah, totally. And, and it's just amazing. It's like the camera work kind of disappears away, but you don't even realize that the, the, the level of like, you know, ballet he's doing with the actors and the camera movement and yeah, all the blocking stuff. of his stuff. I actually noticed I, I watched, um, I mean, obviously I, I watch pretty much watch all his films and I, and, um, Munich is one of the films that, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't really talk about, but it's amazing. Well, one know, thing Munich, I noticed, what? I have a quick, I have a, I have a thing about Munich. I I watched a ton of Munich for the death cure. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> What did you, did you, was there anything specifically camera. that you thought was, and yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a tension to it. You know, there's a, oh, a yeah. danger to it. And the camera work is probably, I think probably his best camera work he's ever done. I think. I think so too. I mean, he did like, he used these zoom lenses that he don't, don't yeah. know, doesn't normally probably. use. And, um, but one thing I noticed there was that his blocking, if you saw some of those scenes from, from the side, like not from where the camera was. Yeah. Sometimes the blocking doesn't make any sense. It would be silly. That's right. Yeah. And it's just yeah, it's because, because yeah. through the lens, you know, he's got like this amazing gift yeah. that he sees the world through a lens. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and that's also, obviously that's not, I, I should say that it's not me. Like I, I also, in my last two movies, uh, you know, the, the, the scorch trials and the death cure, like I have this, you know, um, uh, DP, his name is Julio Pados and mm -hmm. he's just great. We just connect together. And like, he has the same kind of ideas for like camera work and, you know, it's, it's, it's all a team effort. It's not like I'm like the big dictator of all this stuff, but like, you know, 
I'm just the I'm just the uh, I'm just the, the 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 captain where you have all these different people feeding in you know ideas and creative things, and I just pick the best stuff and then put it onto the rail that I want to be on. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I shouldn't. I hope I'm not getting across it. Oh, it's me doing all this stuff, but it's <laughs> not. You know, it's just me kind of wrangling these this the forces of creativity around the movie. You know. Right. So I want to just an anecdote. I um, as we were like talking about making, you know, doing this podcast, and I was watching those films. I happened to have gotten this job. I was on set uh, supervising a TV show. And uh, the first episode uh, starred Dylan O'Brien and oh, yeah. uh, and Ed O'Neill, yeah. And and so what I, was it? Um, what? What was it? It's called uh, Weird City. It hasn't come out out yet. It's uh, oh, cool. It's coming out next great. year. Dylan's great. Dylan's an awesome dude. Yeah, it was so much fun to to work with him. It was so like just friendly. He knew everybody on set by name, all the crew and everything. It was yeah, a, you know yeah. remarkable. It wasn't a long production. It was just five days, I think. Or. Uh-huh. That's TV. Yeah, that's TV. That's a, unfortunately, I, I keep people keep asking me to do TV and stuff, but like, I don't know that I can handle the, uh, the extreme pace, you know, like I, I like to shoot fast. I shoot a lot, but I don't know that I can handle TV yet. So we'll yeah, see. Anyway. It is, it is fast for sure. But I mean, the, our directors were really good and, and super experienced. We had for the first episode, it was, uh, Adam, uh, Bernstein. He directed a few episodes of, um, Breaking Bad and, uh, and a lot of you know other That's shows, awesome. and, you know, Breaking Bad is probably from Breaking Bad is probably the best TV show um, in history, personally. Oh yeah, I mean, um, I think so too. Matter and just craftsmanship behind yeah. it, like talking about camera move stuff, it's amazing. You know, that, that that show is just you know to me amazing. Yeah, and especially considering it's TV and it's not like you know they're not you know swimming in budget. Um, yeah, no, it's um, incredible. Yeah, but I mean, I remember him talking about you. I, I kind of brought him, brought you up because I knew I, I the only place I saw him before was the Maze Runner trilogy. So obviously, we talked about that a little bit. And right. uh, he mentioned how uh, he didn't know anything about you, but they have him uh, watch Ruin before he came to to set, and, uh, and he was super impressed. So once he saw Ruin, he was like, "Okay, this guy knows what he's you know what he's right. doing." Um, and I want to ask you: you mentioned like you being a problem solver and stuff. Do you feel like? Uh, I mean, I know you were hired based on a bunch of meetings and, you know, you've already been kind of pitching other projects and, and some of those people knew before, but how, how do you think the fact that you did uh, ruin, like contributed to the studio's uh, confidence in you or, or, and how much was it just kind of your own, you know, first impression in the room? Yeah, I think it's two things, actually. I think it's a good point, actually. Um, um, I think you can watch the short and say, uh, this guy knows how to move a camera. This guy knows how to make something exciting. So there's that, right? Um, yeah. And he obviously knows VFX. So okay, cool, all right, great. He's gonna do this like this this fantasy movie for thirty million dollars, and we'll see what we get. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but but there is there the the other component, which is extremely important, is you have to be able to be in a room and communicate. You know. Um, and that's, that's, that's unfortunately, I don't know how you teach that, honestly, but right. you know, I have to be in that room and get them excited and pitch them a scene. And, you know, like, like for instance, when I first started talking to them about the major Runner or the first major Runner movie, I pitched them shot for shot that opening in the elevator all the way up to the door closing in his face. Mm. Um, and I could, I could pitch right all the way through it with the, the vibe. And I do this even to this day. I'm once I know a scene, I can pretty much pitch it in a room and make you see it. And that's, you know, that's just 
I was kind of fortunate to be born to be able to do that, you know, but I also can't bullshit my way out of that. So if I don't see a scene, I can't pitch it very well. Um, yeah. But if I get it, I can, I can make it, that enthusiasm is infectious. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that was a really important part of the, 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 I think the, the gamble that Emma made on me, honestly, I mean, you know, studios make this gamble all the time with newcomers and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know what I mean? Um, I think fortunately for me, um, my first three movies were very simple steps, right? So it's like, there's, there's some directors that just get thrown in off of like doing a little indie short or something and they get thrown into this hundred million dollar, you know, whatever. And yeah, it, they yeah. can't handle it. It's too much because it's not just pure filmmaking. It's a lot of politics and a lot of other things. But, you know, the first Maze Runner movie was $30 million, right? Um, actually, I think at first it was supposed to be $24 million. But then they started <laughs> seeing my artwork for it. And they realized, oh, okay, crap, we need to give a little more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, $30 million is nothing. You know what I mean? And we ended up, yeah. you know, grossing 350 or $360 million off of it. So it was like, it was a surprise hit for everybody. You know what I mean? And then the next movie was, you know, 60 and the next one was a little bit more than that. So, um, you know, all combined that, that, that whole major runner trilogy was like $170 million, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. so like, that's, that's what most giant franchises cost as a single movie. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good success story for the studio and I'm, and I'm really happy that it paid off for them because, because of the, the chance they took on me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for that, but, but yeah, it, it, there is an element of you know recognizing talent, but you also have to be someone that you can see is is this guy can direct people or this guy or gal you know can 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 communicate to people what they want. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's usually yeah. what, what most people just want. You always hear that you know when you hear like on DVDs and stuff like crew members saying, "Oh yeah, such and such is great." You know, he knows exactly what he wants. That's like you'll hear that a lot when they're talking about complimenting people because like that's that's usually the thing that kind of just bogs a movie down is when i don't know maybe this maybe that you know and that's how you right. get extra cost and you know all that stuff so you know that's that's the challenge yeah i think that's uh that's, that's very, uh, important, that's very especially, important especially you know when you know when, when you're new and and people are still kind of trying to gauge what you know what to what to make out of you right i mean i'm sure when you yeah. when you first came to the scene people were actually i wanted to ask about that in terms of like crew and stuff like that when you when you first went on set like the first day of the first maze runner um did you were you like kind of looking around and trying to gauge people's reactions and see because i mean probably your crew was way more experienced on set than you are i mean oh yeah without absolutely. a doubt right i mean now. but here's what you got to remember i had you know whatever it's been five months previous to that talking in depth about every shot and every prop that needed to be there on this day where this scene is going to be shot first and that scene is going to be shot next. You know, you're working with your AD, scheduling this stuff out. So it's like, you've right, talked right. this movie to death by that point. So by the time you go out on the set, the only bugs I have are just that, okay, you know, first day shooting <laughs> something, you know, we have to put it in the, yeah. put it in the camera, you know? So there wasn't, there wasn't like, who are all these people? You know what I mean? It wasn't that. It's just like, I hope I don't screw up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but we, yeah. we kicked some ass, you know, we could shot like, you know, 60, you know, 60 shots that day or something. I remember Emma calling me that first day. Good job, Wes. I heard you shot a hell of a lot of movie, you know, so keep going. <laughs> you know, we shot like one of the 42 days or something like that. And, Were you, you shooting know, multicam um, or, it was, it was or camera? But I'll also say that, you know, that was where my film school training came into handy because, you know, the FSU film school, at least at the time when I was there, it was very production production centric. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't so much about the creative side of things, even though we we still did that. But they were very kind of focused on um, 
the protocols of on, on set work. And I didn't even realize how valuable that would be. So when I showed up on set and we, you know, there's a certain cadence and protocol essentially that, that there's a language essentially to being on set yeah. that I was already kind of familiar with, you know? So, so it felt like kind of, you know, it felt like a film school movie, except I had, you know, 10 times the people around, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's been quite a while from, you know, since you've been to film school. Yeah. It's like riding a bike though, man. It's like every yeah. time I feel like, I feel like that too. It's like, you know, you start a, you start each movie and you kind of feel a little bit like, oh, what am I doing? But you know, right. But then, then you, the pressure of, I got to get this movie out. You, you, it kind of falls away and you just, you just get to the work. You know what I mean? Right. And you said you, you did 60 setups the first day. Was, was it with multiple cameras, I assume? Or Yeah, we did a couple A and B's. I, I, I try to do that a lot, you know? Yeah, I do like uh, I like I like single camera because it, it forces you to shoot what you need. Um, but I do shoot a lot. I shoot a lot of options. You know, I like having options. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, I'd always sure. where it was appropriate. I would just throw another camera up and just see what we got. And sometimes you'll use it, sometimes you won't. But you know, it's it's why not? You know what I mean? We had the we had the crew there sitting there on the truck, so why not? Let's get that camera up and just shoot. Find some cool stuff to shoot. You know? Yeah, totally. Cool. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, I think we covered so much. I don't know how much time you still have, but uh... I'll go all night, man. <laughs> no, I'm not going to keep you uh, up all night. Yeah. Um, but I did. But wanna... Yeah. That was, yeah. That was kind of that's the big story. But you know, if, if I'm not sure who, who's your who do you think the audience is? Is it more VFX centric? Um, you know, it's like it's kind of I I do it for myself and. You know, and I feel like I find that a lot of people are are interested in in similar things. A lot of people from v, from VFX, um, it's like you're probably the ideal uh, guest in this podcast. It's uh, you know someone like you know who has uh, VFX experience but has kind of uh, carved their own way and became a filmmaker. Right. Uh, sure. Um, and um, so in a way, it's like. I guess the audience is visual effects artists and filmmakers. Uh, sure. And I think that yeah. nowadays, and you know, there's a lot of us, well, a lot of people that, that are. In that case, I'll, I'll offer a little bit of a, you know, from my point of view, if I were kind of still, if I was just starting out again, you know, yeah, I would be looking at real time, big time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're, we're leveraging that, leveraging that right now in a big way, um, using a game engine basically to essentially previs our whole movie. And it sounds like, okay, yeah, sure. I've done it, but, but I think we're doing things that are kind of in a weird way, kind of game changing in a way, but what's being done, like in our case, the unreal engine, Unreal, yeah. like I could do my entire short of ruin inside an unreal engine now no question asked you know it's like it's amazing yeah what you know no, i've seen uh what is there's a short that just came out i know they worked on it for a while i think it's called the construction or something like that did do you know what i'm yeah. talking about um yeah that apparently was done you know he's like doing that oh stuff, yeah the cool tests in the unity um it's really incredible and it's like incredibly freeing you know and it's like you know we've been doing a lot of tests on our end for like just kind of r&d purposes but it's pretty amazing actually and you know um if i was just starting out i'd be going there because it's a it's a it's a it's a really effective way to basically make movies you know yeah. um instead of relying on you know huge render times and all this great stuff like it the, the feedback is immediate i can change the light you know i can it's really incredible and it takes a certain artistry to it all but um i think 
I think what the what those games guys are doing is really incredible. And there is, you know, it's coming this this weird convergence of games and movies, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, no, it's just a matter of time. I'm actually, I just, I'm just finishing a short, and I'm using uh, artificial intelligence as part of the really? uh, post process. Yeah, I'm doing. Um, it's a, it's going to be a bit controversial because I'm using. Um, I I cast like uh, two actors, unknown actors, but they're going to look like uh, George Clooney and Rachel McAdams. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, okay. You're, oh, interesting. <laughs> and um, I mean, that's what's amazing about. It. I mean, it takes a, it takes a couple of hours to train this. You know, to train the computer. You're yeah. Basically... What, what, what's, that, what's that app called? You're using? What, what is that? Uh, it's called Deepfakes. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's not an app. Wow. It's a. I mean, they created an app, but I'm actually using a a, a different uh, fork of the GitHub gotcha. repository. Yeah, I've, I've looked at it a couple times, and it's like it's super like crude. It looks like, yeah. but it's. A, the results are pretty amazing actually after a bit of training right yeah and the thing is like the conversion itself is almost real time like once it's trained it doesn't really need much time to like take any face and turn it into george clooney or whatever it is yeah, like we're, gonna be, yeah. we're gonna be in a strange world and imagine five years oh yeah oh yeah what we're gonna be able to do <laughs> and like you know that's the other good thing about people like you know say say vfx artists that, who that want to be storytellers too like yourself you know it's like like we're in a time now where content is freaking everywhere you know yeah unfortunately on my side like on the studio side of things studios are actually getting smaller but you know like netflix and and, right. and netflix is spending more money than all the studios combined That's it's amazing crazy. you know so the opportunities are there it's just now it's just about vision and it's about like show, showing people things they haven't seen before and exposing people to things that you know are interesting you know so it's kind of an exciting time to to, oh yeah, to be involved. In and let me stuff. ask you this: I mean, um, you know, y- you are part of like a kind of a special breed of filmmakers. I mean, there's there's quite a few of you out there. You know, filmmakers who also do visual effects, um, or have Gareth Edwards, uh, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, uh, is there like a? It, it's a stupid question, I know, but like, is there a, a club? You know, members no. a members club. You guys, you guys sit, sit together is, and like do. There is. I haven't been invited to it. So. <laughs> But I mean, you you have uh, met JJ Abrams, and I know JJ Abrams actually created the uh, the lost uh, intro by himself. Yeah, well, here's a fun thinking. story. So when I first met him, what he asked me to do, I was I was actually I went and visited the first Star Trek set, I believe, and he had these IMAX cameras up, and he was shooting oh, in Los wow. Angeles, and we were just talking or whatever, and he's like, "Dude, can you teach me Moto?" <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So what, my first kind of experience with JJ was I. I recorded an hour long intro, like a screen grab thing, walking him through how to use Moto. <laughs> wow. No way. So yeah, yeah, he's a geek too, man. You know, it's cool. That's really um, funny. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's all fun. It's all tools, you know, and that's the great thing about filmmaking is like, you know, when it started as cave paintings, you know, and the tool was just making, you know, ink, you know, it's like filmmaking is basically about using whatever the greatest, latest tools are to tell story, to engage an audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, we'll, we'll always be around, you know, we'll always be a need for us to kind of like, you know, push, push envelopes and, and try new things and, and, and to just try, try to engage people on a human level with these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, uh, I mean, especially with your upcoming movie, um, being so kind of, technologically reliant i'm sure you guys are going to be using uh vr in a way uh, as part of the production process or something like yeah, the simulated know, camera this. what's interesting yeah. about that is um because of my background i th- 
feel like I don't need it. <laughs> like what, what's kind of funny to everybody is that, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's the same guys who made Avatar, you know, Glenn Derry is the, is the guy who kind of designed that whole kind of, you know, mocap system, yeah. basically all the big movies and stuff. And, you know, here, tr- here, here's like a, you know, a, a fake crane or whatever they're saying, nah, just give me the computer in the mouth. So I'll just, <laughs> you know, I'm fine with these, with those tools. So it's a little interesting, um, the tools that are available to us, but I'm still very comfortable with just getting on a Wacom and, you know, and just zooming around and finding my shots that way. So nice. um, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, you're right. It, it, there's the VR thing is really cool. And the whole, you know, interactive kind of component of all this stuff is, is definitely, it's definitely exciting. It's exposing, man, the things that we can do in a few years, you know, are going to be pretty amazing. I think, you know, do you ever see yourself like, uh, trying to create a VR experience or like, you know, uh, use VR as a storytelling tool. Uh, definitely. You know, it's like, I, it's on it's my brain a lot. The issue with for me with VR is that I'm so like, we talked about camera before. I'm so used to deciding where an audience person is supposed to be looking. Yeah. That goes out the window. Right. Yep. You know, so it's, it's more about an experience that you're trying to do to generate for people and your camera is spherical rather than um, rectangular. You know yeah, what I, mean? I feel the same way. I mean, it, I, I've I've done a few VR projects, uh, you know, from the in, in visual effects, and uh, and I, I I found that you know to be kind of like the the biggest thing. People think people kind of relate to VR as like a new thing that kind of expands your options, but I think it kind of as a storyteller, it kind of limits your option your options. Yeah, you know? right now until someone cracks something interesting, but I think the the trick is. You can't apply um, cinema techniques to a VR experience, essentially. You yeah, know what I mean? totally. Are you now in prep, or have you guys start, actually started shooting? Or, well, we are in basically prep. You know, um, because of the unique kind of nature of it all, being basically a fully digital movie. It was interesting about that process is that prep and production and post production kind of all exists at the same time. Right. You know what I mean. So it's a kind of unique thing, but, you know, I get to stay here in LA and make the movie here, which is great. I don't have to go all over the world and, you know, leave the family behind. So that's kind of, that's kind of unique and exciting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're kind of figuring out how the hell to do this because there's so few movies that have been made this way, um, you know, successfully that, uh, we're kind of in that, in this place of getting to kind of design it ourselves the process of it all you know what i mean yeah and so going through those kind of growing pains and just figuring out how to how to do this the most efficiently um has been a lot of fun and also you know pretty challenging you know but uh but, you know it's been fun man it's like you know i got like you know matt reeves is like i said he's producing and he's been awesome to kind of be, be around and obviously he went through a lot of this with apes in a, in a way although he had the, the strong live action component to it all but um yeah it's been great to kind of have them and you know, I've, I've now made like two movies with Weta now and like to have them kind of involved, you know, working on how we're going to do something that we all kind of feel is um, kind of fresh and exciting, you know? Yeah. Um, nothing at all against like Marvel or DC or anything, but like, you know, I'm so excited that I don't have to do a movie about superheroes on this one. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's totally unique and different. And so that's been really kind of a, a breath of fresh air for everybody, I think. And um Hopefully we'll be able to kind of realize it in a way that, you know, makes a makes a big splash when it comes out in whatever it is, two years. <laughs> <laughs> so um, last question, I guess, uh, just came up, came to me right now. I remember Tarantino was talking about his legacy, you know, and he's kind of nearing his, sure. his 10th movie and, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's like threatening to to leave the 
you know, leave the industry. And I was wondering, like, do you ever think about that? Do you ever like consider, you know, the, the movies you made so far, this movie, like, do you ever like look at them in, in a larger context and, and ask yourself, you know, like, uh, 10 years from now, looking back at those films, like, you know, is, you know, is this something that kind of, uh, is at the, at the corner of your thoughts in terms of, uh, which movie you want to not make really, next? Man. I just kind of, I just kind of roll. I just kind of roll with it as it comes, you know. Like I'm not really <laughs> thinking about all that stuff. I just want to try to always be a part of things that are kind of unique and different and are exciting. You know, it's like, you know, the the being a part of the whole trilogy thing was was really fun and and I'll always be grateful for the experience. But I don't think I want to really do any more um, kind of big franchise trilogy things anymore. You know, you kind of get burnt out a little bit. You know, you kind of—it's—it's it's really fun to kind of dive into new territories every time. So, that's, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Just kind of like you know, thinking about this one that we're working on now and how to make it special, and and always on the lookout for the, whatever the next new thing might be. Um, that's what kind of excites me. Is what keeps me going. Is like kind of venturing into new places and challenging myself in ways that you know are, are different. You know, so um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of way I approach it. You know, one day at a time. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, ever direct, uh, different kinds? Like, have you ever directed commercials or anything shorter, like in the meanwhile, in between projects or anything like no, that? I or? Actually, I've, I've actually, you know, a lot of people have asked me why not, but I just haven't, honestly, I hadn't had the time. Like I, I've been in this thing where like I made three movies in five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like on the first movie I had finished editing and we were already starting to prep the next one. So by the time that first Maze Runner came out in theaters, I was yeah. four weeks away from shooting the next one. You know oh, what I wow. mean? Yeah. And the same thing happened on the second one. You know, we had unfortunately a little accident on it that kind of shut us down for a bit. Um, but it was the same thing. We just kind of rolled right into the movie and then, you know, we had a little hiatus to, you know, unfortunately let Dylan kind of heal. He had a little accident on set. Oh. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it all kind of ended up working out okay. And, and we went off to South Africa and make that movie, you know, and that was a, you know, a long kind of 70 day shoot. And, you know, there's post for, you know, several, eight, seven months, seven, eight months after that. And so this is like seven the first days. time. Here. That's crazy. I mean, I, yeah, I can't. That was, long, that was the longest I ever had actually. Yeah. You know how long it took me to, to shoot my feature? It's 10 in, days. Uh, no, 16, but uh, close. Pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I couldn't do it. <laughs> That's I actually did a feature. I was second unit director before that on a feature that shot for six days. Um, found wow, footage horror cool. film. We well, you were, know, have you ever seen Spielberg's Duel? Shot it in what thirteen days, I think. It's incredible. Yeah, of course I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, yeah. I didn't know they. If, yeah, I didn't know, I know that shot. feeling too, man. Because like all I do on my side, I see it. I have seventy days. You know, granted, that was a little too long <laughs> for me. But then I look really? at like you know venture or whoever and they're shooting you know 150 days 200 days i'm like how the hell do you even one have uh, afford it you know and then two yeah. is and just deal with the um the sheer amount of energy expenditure of something like that you know yeah totally um man it was a pleasure talking to you i think i'm gonna let you go cool pleasure but, talking to you man uh, yeah, thanks so much for clearing some time and, and doing this and looking forward to seeing what's uh, what's coming next. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Sweet. Cool. All right, dude, take care. Um, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk and, you know, hey, I'm always around, so. Yeah, maybe I'll be in touch. I mean, we're we're practically neighbors. Great, yeah, totally. That works.
Oh yeah, and, and my sushi just arrived. I just uh, I ordered sushi in parallel. Yeah. Oh, that is perfect timing, man. Yeah, guys at the door. Yeah, awesome. All right, dude. Take care, cool. dude. We'll talk later. You too. Bye bye. That's it. That was episode eight of the Post Post podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or subscribe to the um, SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. And as always, next week, next Monday, uh, you should expect episode 9 of the Post Post Podcast. Uh, until then, I'm David Dolly, and have a great week.